describing Jesus as the Word of God the Father, the author of creation, um, the one who rose from the dead. Peter, grown-ups now, what, what is apologetics? You are a professor of apologetics or philosophy. Um, you, you, you go around the country talking about this, this big word, mm. apologetics. What actually, in a few sentences, is apologetics? Uh, it's a terrible word in English because it immediately brings to mind the concept of apologising. It's as if I'm a professional going around saying, oh, I'm terribly sorry that I'm a Christian. Um, of course, it doesn't mean that at all. Um, it comes from a Greek word that's used by Peter uh, in particularly uh, 1 Peter 3.15 is the verse to go for. Um, when he says, always be prepared to give a defence, the word that's translated as a defence in Greek is the word apologia from which we get the word apologetics. And it's a, it's a legal term from the court system. It's what your defence lawyer would do. You're accused of something, your defence lawyer stands up in court, and the speech that he gives defending you from the accusation is his apologia. Um, so his, uh, his evidence, his reasoned uh, discourse in defence of what you believe. So apologetics is simply um, giving uh, people a, a defence, a reason to believe in Jesus. It's that process of trying to be Christ-like in following commands like 1 Peter 3.15. Okay, good. But why is it important? Why do we need to be those who apologise for our faith? Yeah. Uh, well, because, um, on the one hand, you could say, because we're commanded to in Scripture. So, uh, God must think it's important for some reason. Um, and I think we can see some of those reasons. Uh, because as soon as you engage in trying to talk with people who aren't Christians about Jesus, of course, very naturally, they're going to have some questions. And as soon as you start trying to help people see their way through their questions to Jesus you are engaged in apologetics. And if you look at the, the constant practice, actually, of Jesus and the earliest disciples uh, in preaching the gospel, you see that what they were doing went hand in hand with apologetics. We, you know, we, we preach Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead, and Paul talking to the philosophers in Athens say, and you know, God has appointed uh, the man Jesus Christ to be the judge of people at the judgment, and he's given witness of this by raising him from the dead. Uh, and I'm actually one of the eyewitnesses who saw him on the road to Damascus. And so, um, he would unpack the gospel and uh, surround it with giving people a reason for believing it, as well as just describing what it was. Now, what do you think are some of the key battleground areas in our culture today? Because so, mm. obviously we're aware that increasingly people dismiss faith, the idea of faith as a yeah. nonsense. Christian faith is another one of those sort of narratives that you, you can't really believe. So what do you find are some of the key battlegrounds right now for our Christian sure. church? Um, let me just pick two. I think one is this issue of, of what, what it means to have faith. And particularly the, the new atheist writers like Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and people have done a, a really good job of, of putting forward this false image of what faith is, that it's automatically a matter of blind faith. Uh, and I think we should probably avoid the word faith. It's become so toxic in the minds of our culture now that it might be much better to use a word like trust. Actually, the word in the, in the, in the language of the Bible that we translate as faith can also be translated as to believe or to be convinced. 
Um, and it's uh, perhaps clearer to people that when you trust someone, you say, I trust my husband, I trust my wife, I trust Jesus, I trust God, that actually trust is not something that rules out having good reasons for trusting someone. Um, your trust may or may not be well-placed, um, but it's certainly not automatically something that's a matter of a blind leap of faith, as it were. So uh, countering that misconception of what faith is, I think, is absolutely key. Um, and the other thing I would pick on is um, that a lot of people in our culture have a very narrow view of what we can know about reality. And you get this view that you can only know things that science can prove. Or you can only know things that you can know through your senses. Now, science is great. I'm not dissing science, but I would point out to people that science is not the only way to know anything and that there are more ways of knowing things than through science. Uh, And you can see that that must be true because if you make the claim you can only know something if you can prove it scientifically, well... Turn that question on itself. If I ask the question, how would I know scientifically that it's true that you can only know things scientifically? Obviously, you you can't. Uh, Science itself has to depend upon us being able to know all sorts of things that we can't know through science. Uh, Depend upon us knowing things about the laws of logic in order to argue reasonably when we're doing science. About moral values in as much as we we really ought to be honest when we're sharing our research data with one another. Uh, We really didn't ought to stab the other scientists in our research group in the back by making sure our name's at the front of the the paper that we've just published, even though we didn't do most of the work. Things like this, you know. Um, The very practice of science uh, as a social institution depends upon the fact that we know things that we don't know through science. Good. Peter, we'll hear more from you uh, in a little while.